This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. The need to renew a spirit of civic engagement is a hot topic today, especially in academic circles. What is the reason behind this? Has there been a decline in our desire to be civically engaged citizens? Marcus and I will discuss these questions today with our guest, Leslie Bonet, the the director of the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University. As always, this will be an engaging conversation. We'll be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters, and once again, just happy to be here in the studio, happy to know that you all are in the audience listening, and always happy and pleased to be here with my brother, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Marcus, how are you? I'm pretty good. How are you, brother? I'm doing okay. Yeah. I'm I'm hanging on. Yeah. I, are you I'm as, with you there. Are you as busy as I am? Uh, <laughs> probably not quite as busy, but I'm, 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 I'm a close second. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, you know, here we are again in the studio to have another conversation about mm. civic engagement. It seems like this has been a topic that has uh, that we've talked about before. It's kind of been a recurring theme on the show. I, Marcus, I'm willing to say that it's one of the reasons why we started the show. I right? think so, yeah. and I think one of the one of the um, points that I think that the very idea of civic engagement makes is that you know being a member of a society comes with the responsibility. Right, it does, um, and and members of a society have a choice to make as to whether or not they're going to assume that responsibility as as citizens of a given society or not. Right, and uh, I think another point that comes out is that there are consequences on both sides. Right, yes. there, there are consequences to taking responsibility and consequences to failing to do so. So, right. I, so I think today's conversation will will revolve around around those around that that point. Right, and you know, civic engagement is so important to a healthy democracy mm-hmm. that we. Live in, and I'm, and sometimes I think as I talk to uh, people and talk to students, sometimes I think that we've forgotten what it means to be a part of democratic body. Mm-hmm. You know what that mm-hmm. actually means. You bring up the issue of responsibilities. You know, I often say, you know, yes, we can talk a lot about rights, but we need to also talk about responsibilities and duties. What mm-hmm. goes along with that? Um, I couldn't help but thinking in preparation for the show as, as we were talking about it and what the conversation was going to be about, about pa- those past conversations that we've had about civic uh, engagement and what the work that people are doing in this local community to try to renew that uh, spirit mm-hmm. of civic engagement. Keenan Lake comes to mind mm-hmm. again, and the work mm-hmm. that he's doing through My Daddy Taught Me That, and the work that Leslie Council, our Leslie Council Lake, now his wife, is doing through My Sister Taught Me That. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I thought about his that conversation with him, Marcus, is because remember when we did ask him about his wish list, what does he wish for? Volunteers. Volunteers. <laughs> and, you know, I couldn't Volunteers. help but think about that again. Yeah, and again, I, I really do think that uh, civic engagement is about about building communities, right. um, but uh, unfortunately, I think that we're we're faced with a political climate where, where some some persons choose to um, uh, practice civic engagement in a way that is less than civil. Right. Oh, right. and so, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so civic engagement doesn't always equal civil engagement. Right. Right. right so right. so so how do we sort of have broach conversations with those who choose to engage that way? That's right. Yeah, and so. you bring that up. You know this civil in you know civil conversations, and again that brings me to the show that we did with Jacob and Wyatt, absolutely. the two students at Christ School, um, who are who are trying to get their 
their generation engaged in common conversations around social justice, issues mm-hmm. of social justice in a very civil way. And when we talk about social justice, we're talking about racial issues. Mm-hmm. We're talking about economic uh, disparities absolutely. are uh, in all of these issues. And those conversations can be quite fraught sometimes. Yeah, absolutely fraught. But I think these are conversations that uh, that we need to muster the courage to have. And right. it was it was really interesting and intriguing to see uh, young men so young on, right. on, on the high school level right. already um, sort of targeting uh, social justice issues um, in the way that they're they're doing so. So that was an, an important conversation. It was, and then you know, as we as we kind of wind down this particular segment of the show, I can't help but think about Johnny Waters, our Jonathan Waters. I have to bring him up. <laughs> Your eldest, and my eldest yeah. son, and the conversation that we had with him about his generation as well. Mm-hmm. And he he is not only dealing with it, looking at how males are engaged in our Mm -hmm. society. But he's also thinking about how African-American males are Mm -hmm. engaged in our society, which so there's just a multiplicity of conversations that are happening around what I think is this central issue of civic engagement. And it's so good to know that we can kind of point to these young guys who are out there saying, "Okay, we we see the problem, too. Absolutely. And I think I think one of the one of the good things about um, about what your eldest son is, is doing around these issues is that he's, he's really calling attention to the fact that the civic engagement requires persons to be informed. That's right. And being informed requires careful study. That's so, it. Okay. I won't a, say a topic that we love. Right? <laughs> so Marcus and I, you know, this is to set this conversation up. This has been good. And stay with us and we'll be right back in just a minute with Mr. Leslie Boney from the Institute of Merging Issues. Well, again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina, here at Blue Ridge Public Radio. So glad that you all have stayed in the audience with us. And Marcus and I are really, really glad to be talking about this issue of civic engagement again. And we're certainly happy. And I, Marcus, I feel very privileged to have the director of the Institute for Emerging Issues at North Carolina State University, Mr. Leslie Boney, here to have this conversation with us. Leslie, welcome to the program. Welcome. Leslie. Thanks, guys. Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for coming up. Now, you know, I want to say this, you know, before we jump into this conversation, um, I've had an opportunity to get to know a little bit about the work of the Institute. And the Institute has been focusing on a number of issues related to our state civic health, uh, some of which we will explore today. But first, I'd like to just note that you've been engaged in this type of work for some time. Could you tell us a little bit about your extensive career, both as a public servant here in North Carolina and what you've been doing? In on, around, around this issue of civic engagement? Well, I started my career as a high school teacher in Maine and Virginia, and it took me a while to get back here. But when I did, I got into television where I worked for 10 years, and there was a great opportunity there. But increasingly, I found myself reporting on everything that was wrong with what was going on. So as a journalist, you're sort of paid to sniff out who's screwing up. (laughs) And uh, I got a little frustrated with that, had an opportunity to go work for a governor and uh, write speeches for him. And that led me into a career of public service. And over the last 25 years, it's been a series of uh, jobs that are related to uh, everything from middle school reform uh, to uh, 
figuring out what to do about uh, welfare in mm-hmm. North Carolina to mm-hmm. uh, looking at how small towns are recovering from the decline in manufacturing. Okay. So uh, a lot of work in rural parts of the state, a lot of traveling. I've been to every county at least four times wow. in North Carolina. All 100 counties. Wow. Yep. Wow. You know, it's interesting, you know, uh, and Marcus is going to jump in here, but I do have to say, it, it sounds like we need to have you back again to talk about this career as a journalist, because, yeah. you know, this whole idea of sniffing out mm. who is screwing up, I, I, you know, that's a culture in and of itself that I think, you know, we need to talk about <laughs> at some point. <laughs> well, let's say you mentioned your, your background as a high school teacher and then later as a journalist um, in the arena of public service. And I suspected that that experience played a role in you landing at the Institute. But can you say a little bit more about specifically about how you ended up landing at the Institute for Emerging Issues as a director. Well, this is the first job out of my last eight that actually existed uh, <laughs> before I came there. And so the Institute for Emerging Issues has a long history. It's been around for 30 years. The last mm. 10 uh, led by just a brilliant public service named Anita Brown Graham, who now is over at the School of Government at UNC Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. What attracted me about it is that this is an organization that works statewide. It is nonpartisan, nonpolitical, and it is about identifying at any given time what the biggest issue in North Carolina is. And that's always been my fascination, is what is the biggest issue? And that's what this group is charged with figuring out. Okay, and, I, and, and that's a sort of perfect um, sort of segue into another point that I wanted to raise, and that is how, how does the Institute for Emerging Issues go about identifying what counts right. as an emerging issue? <laughs> right. Because it seems to me that there, there's an ocean of issues confronting American society and this state in particular. So mm-hmm. is there is there a, a, a discrete process in place for doing this, or how does that work, Leslie? Well, it used to be a smoke-filled room. <laughs> People would, would walk in, and then there'd be a puff of smoke, and an emerging issue would emerge. <laughs> so this time we decided to do a little bit different, and we have – uh, 31,000 people on our mailing list. So we sent a oh, wow. e- mm. we sent a solicitation out to all of them and said, what's the biggest issue facing North Carolina in the next five years? Mm. Then we did a series of community forums. Then I do a statewide TV show where I talk to people from uh, mm. across the state and ask them what the biggest issue was. And so out of that process, we got 158 most important issue North Carolina could possibly deal with ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turned out that those lumped themselves pretty easily into 34 narrow categories. Then we started talking in focus groups, narrowed it down to 11 and then five. And every time we got a little bit closer, we realized that we were all talking about similar things. Mm. And the final ideas we came up with all had something to do with the notion that we have lost something in North Carolina. We are not the state that we used to be. And so some people are very concerned about the divide between rural and urban areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Others mm -hmm. are concerned that their neighbors don't talk to them anymore. Uh, Others are concerned about the fact that they're stuck in jobs and they can't really go anywhere. But all those things, we thought, were related to this broad theme of a disconnected state, that we are not connected in the same way that we either think we used to be or we actually were. And what we thought was that it might be possible this time to do, instead of 
one issue a year. Uh, instead, take on a single issue over the course of three years mm-hmm. and look at all the elements of disconnection and all the ideas that are bubbling up across the state for reconnecting. Right. Mm-hmm. Are, are in these conversations that you are having, Leslie, are you getting a sense of what is causing are giving rise to this sense of disconnectedness. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the things that I've been saying, too, it, it's interesting even when you look at um, at how our, our communities are developing. I mean, when I was growing up here in Asheville uh, back in the, in the 1970s and in the 80s, if we, look, if we look at religious institutions, for instance, and just the church, the church used to be a community church. I mean, it seems that we've kind of even moved away from that now. You have the the proliferation of what many people would refer to as kind of mega churches. So, mm-hmm. and what I always thought in you know looking at the whole mega church phenomenon that it's it's like that church is not necessarily a community church. Mm-hmm. It's a but it. It kind of creates a new type of community where people feel connected within that particular space. But these are not necessarily people who are coming from your individual neighborhood. So we're disconnected from our neighbors, but connected with people who are sometimes at, on a, in uh, live in another part of the city. So I, there, there are these interesting trends that are going on out there. But are you getting a sense of why people feel this disconnected is, is occurring? Well, You can see it statistically in declining church membership. You can see the decline of civic clubs. You can see the decline of voting. You can see the decline of people participating in the labor force. So those are all the numbers. But in terms of the essence of why it is that people are disconnecting and checking out, uh, I think technology has made it easier. Mm -hmm. So nowadays we come home. And instead of sitting on the front porch or baking a bunch of cookies for our neighbors, we go into our air conditioning. And then instead of talking with our spouse or our kids, realistically, we spend a lot of time uh, looking at the Internet and looking at TV. And there are a lot of people who are outraged about something. And it's easy to kind of float along with that. And if you don't watch it, by the end of the day, you haven't significantly engaged with anyone. Mm. And the consequences for that – on the back end is that when it comes time to look for the next job, you don't have the same connections that you used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't, don't have the person in the church who says, oh, I know somebody, because right. you're not part of the church anymore. And the civic club, you know, the person who says, well, you know, you really should talk to this person, and that that'll person will help you out. You're not right. part of that. So you don't have this network that you used to. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it sort of feeds on itself. And so you get more and more isolated, further and further away from the community that is right around you. Yeah. And, and this to me is, is highly ironic, uh, Leslie, because technology is one of the main things that we as sort of a Western civilization point to. And, and when we say that, oh, you know, we're more civilized than those other people in the non-Western world. You know, we're more humane. We're more modern. But are we? Right. Uh, but that's a different conversation. Yeah, right. uh, but, but I, I think this, 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 this speaks to the issue of civic health, Leslie, um, mm-hmm. or perhaps the lack thereof. What is the, And this is a term that has been bandied about a lot um, of late. What is, what is meant by civic health um, and civic illness, perhaps, um, in this context? Any thoughts about that, Leslie? Well, As part of the forum, we're going to be releasing a new thing called a Civic Health Index. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to figure out what the exact elements of that are. But certainly the things it's easy to measure are are the outward manifestations of civic health. So if you're – if you don't feel connected to a community, you're probably going to be less likely to go to the PTA meeting Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. – 
help your child with homework or uh, vote or uh, help your neighbor or uh, solve solve a community problem or volunteer mm-hmm. for a board. So that's that's kind of what it what it means. But one of the ways we're trying to talk about it, because the danger danger is if you say, well, it'd be good if you were more involved in your community. It sounds kind of soft, mm-hmm. but I think the reality is that people who are disengaged from community aren't as successful economically, and those communities don't get the benefit of those people who are checked out. You're right. And there are people mm-hmm. checked out from both political parties. There are all sorts of people who just believe that government can't help them at all, and so I'm on my own. And 40% of people I mentioned earlier are not even trying to work right now. Out of those, one-third of them are addicted to some sort of substance. So think mm-hmm. about what would happen if we had a third of those 40% back in the workforce. Right. And, and that's, that's where civic health really becomes real to some people who say, well, that sounds a little soft. It doesn't yeah. sound soft if we can, we can reintegrate those people into our economy and have them working and have them excited and bring their brains to the table. That's going to yeah. bring more diversity of opinion to new ideas. Mm-hmm. We're going to come up with new solutions, and our communities are going to be more successful. Yeah. And, and I'm wondering, Leslie, kind of just to, just to quickly go back to the, the question about causes or causal factors. Um, is, so we know that technology is, is a major factor, but are there, are there other factors that you've identified that might be contributing to this, this widespread disconnect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. specifically in this state when and it comes to civic engagement, engagement. Or are you saying that the technology yeah. really is the preeminent factor? No. Uh, okay. Thanks for thanks for asking about that because mm-hmm. uh, we're doing, as I mentioned, a series of six topics over three years. And okay. the fifth one is about technology. And mm-hmm. what we don't want to be saying from the beginning is if everybody would just give up their cell phone, then everything would be okay. Mm-hmm. Or if everyone would just stop <laughs> using social media. That's not even a realistic thing yeah. to talk about. <laughs> right, right. So – I think the topic of that is going to be how can we use technology mm-hmm. to connect in ways that are productive. Right. right now, we're more connected than ever at the same time that we're more disconnected. Right. So how do you use that lever of technology to reconnect? And I think that's that's a really important point to make. Yeah, it's very, it's very ironic when you think about it. And, I, and Leslie, as you were talking, too, I couldn't help but think, you know, historically, this is my historical mind, you know, going into action here. You know, what about people who've just lost faith, who've just lost faith in the system? And some people have had historical experiences that have just led them to believe that oh, there's nothing here for me. Um, I couldn't help but think about uh, in, in talking about that, think about about the work of Michelle Alexander, I mean, when she's looking at the, you know, from the school to prison, the prison pipeline, and how that has impacted African Americans, uh, and especially African American males. And it's interesting when we look at a Barack Obama's presidency, or when he ran for the presidency, how he was just, just the simple fact that he was an African-American generated a great deal of excitement that it seemed that you, I know that there were people who were voting who had never voted in their life mm-hmm. simply because of that one moment. But it seems right now, given where we are, to have just been kind of a blip on the screen. Mm-hmm. And people, I'm hearing people falling back into this kind of pattern of being, of having lost faith uh, in it. So what mm. what do we do about that? Is that is that a question that makes sense, or is it a fair one to bring up here? Yeah, it's something you guys have talked about on this program before, that we are a 
nation that, if we don't do it right, has the potential to become completely government dependent and take away mm. people's sense of agency. And I think a lot of people don't believe that there's anything they can do to make any difference in their lives. Globalization happens to them, mm -hmm. and they don't have a role to play on that. The boss fires them, and they had no role in it, mm. didn't see it coming. Uh, a health concern hits one of their loved ones, and that person goes into a spiral. They don't have health insurance. They go into debt. They go bankrupt. Mm. They lose mm. their wealth. Mm. And so people have lost the belief that they can actually have control over their lives. And mm. what we're hoping to do through these programs is to help people find their way back to small victories mm. on mm. simple subjects. And so – for each of these topics that we're taking on, one's on health, one's on civics, uh, one's on uh, rural-urban connections, mm -hmm. one's on technology, one's on job mobility. For all those, we're trying to find places across the state that have already proven you can do something. And then to help communities across the state say, okay, what's one simple thing you could do? And then with that one simple thing, what's the next thing beyond that? And pretty soon you may be able to get to the point where you could take on an issue as complicated as race. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can't do that until you trust each other and until yeah, you've absolutely. learned to talk to each other and until you've come to believe that you actually can make a difference in your community. Right. It's not You're not just a victim of random government mm -hmm. programs or random global trends mm -hmm. that you can't do anything with. Right. And, and I think that ha that, that has to involve an honest confrontation with American social history. It does. I mm. think. But yeah. Again, another conversation. Right. <laughs> there, there are <laughs> so multiple conversations going, going here. Like yes. uh, but Leslie, I wonder, and I think you probably have begun to address this, uh, perhaps obliquely, but um, with regard to the issue of civic health, civic engagement, how does North Carolina compare to other states? Um, are are other states just as, <laughs> as bad, just as disconnected? Yeah. Is this a as, national as North problem? Carolina That's is, or is this really kind of localized to to this state? Yeah, I'm guessing both of y'all are familiar with the work of this guy named Bob Putnam, who came yes. out with a great book late '90s called Bowling Alone. Mm -hmm. And what he what he discovered at the time was that there was this national decline in civic engagement across a variety of indicators. And then he took it to the next step, and he formed this thing called the Cigarro Institute, and they did state-by-state -state studies. And my summary of North Carolina and what they found about that is that North Carolinians are really good at what he called bonding social capital, and we're really bad at bridging social capital. So bonding social capital is we like to hang out with people who look like us, mm -hmm. and we're really pretty good at that. You know, we'll, we'll hang, hang with people who look exactly like we do and make the same general amount of money that we do. Mm -hmm. But when it comes time to reaching across, doing mm -hmm. bridging social capital where we're working uh, with people who don't look like us or make different amounts of money or don't share our political beliefs, we don't do as well as some other states in mm -hmm. those regards. So above average in hanging with our tribe, mm -hmm. below average in reaching across tribal lines. And what one person told me is – very that people are really good at bridging social capital when they are optimistic and feel pretty good mm -hmm. about their lives. Mm -hmm. When they don't feel good about their lives, they're much more likely to revert to bonding social capital, mm -hmm. just hanging out with people who with, agree with them. Right. So well, that's where North Carolina has, has some work to do. How do we restore optimism, and how do we do a better job of bridging? And if we can do that bridging work, then suddenly we bring all these different perspectives to the table. And y'all are in 
academia. Mm-hmm. And what you know is the best creations are things that come when you get an engineer sitting beside uh, a religious studies person right. who's talking to a historian who's working with somebody who understands nanotechnology. Right. That's when you discover something mm-hmm. that's unbelievable. That's right. And we don't discover that in North Carolina. If the only people we hang out with are people who know the same stuff we do. Right. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that uh, that our former interim chancellor, Dr. Joseph Ergo, in a, in a talk that he gave not too long ago, talked about, you know, we're, we're constantly talking about a workforce, but he's ta- he he's made an argument and a case for a thought force, you know, mm-hmm. thinking, you know, uh, this kind of, and, and I think the liberal arts, this is the reason why I believe the liberal arts are so fundamentally important, that what liberal arts institutions do. Leslie, this conversation is just just rich and it could go in so many many different directions here um one of the things i want to give you a chance to talk about here is the reconnect to community initiative that the uh institute for emerging issues is about to launch um what is this new initiative and what are its goals and you've kind of addressed some of that but could you just tell us a little bit more about that initiative yeah at its simplest it has two parts one is we're going to bring a boatload of people to Asheville September 17th from across the state to talk about uh, new ideas for connecting community the second thing we're going to do and this will be both at that big gathering September 17th in Asheville but also over the next couple of years after that is we sent out a solicitation to people across the state and said tell us what you're doing to reconnect community tell us cool things. And we thought we'd get five or six applications. We got 32 places across North Carolina that said, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what we're doing. And so we're going to select five of those uh, going forward that are going to be people that we hold up as examples. They're going to be from across the state. They're going to be working from traditionally conservative bases, traditionally uh, more progressive bases, and we're going to say, what do these places have in common? And then we're going to say, what can the rest of the state learn from these people? Mm-hmm. So the gathering, September 17th, is going to be speakers. We're going to have people demonstrating how you talk across political lines. Uh, we're going to try to find uh, – Uh, We're going to have some high-profile national speakers. We're going to have one of the hosts of this show that's going to be doing an important uh, speech for us. And uh, that's going to kind of kick off this energy. And then we're going to spend the next couple of years working with these five communities to lift up, okay, how do you actually do this work? And they'll be the early adopters, the demonstrators, and we're just going to proclaim them and and, uh, hold them up as examples everybody else can learn from. And Leslie, how can those listening find out more information about this this conversation? Made it real easy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just go to our website. It's called Mm reconnectnc.org. So reconnectnc.org. O-R-G, and it goes to our website, but that's right. an easy way to remember it. Okay, which is pretty easy, and we'll we'll post it up on our Certainly. on our social media as well. Well, Leslie, we want to thank you for coming in and having this conversation. So glad to know that you all will be coming to Asheville to launch this conversation. Mm-hmm. I look forward to being able to participate as well, and thank you for taking the time to come in and talk to Marcus and I. Thank you, Leslie. Well, Marcus, that was a fantastic conversation with Leslie. Uh, A lot of issues, a lot of places that I could go, uh, we could continue to go and explore in that conversation. I tell you, it just made me think about 
what we've been doing like the past few mm. years of our lives mm. as as professors at UNC Asheville, because it, these are conversations we've been having, especially in our humanities courses. A- absolutely. Right. And as someone who's been living in North Carolina for five years now, I can't say that I'm surprised, but I'm somewhat troubled to know that the work of the Institute has discovered that, um, you know, North Carolina civic health isn't very great. And, right. and that in point of fact, um, disconnectedness characterizes yeah. um, the sort of the civic engagement landscape right. in this in this state. So there's much work to be done. Right. And Mark has always feel the need to kind of uh, to to kind of preface this next comment with this, that I'm not anti-capitalist. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so many benefits to capitalist society, uh, to, to capitalism. However, I think that it's kind of contributed to some Absolutely. of this disconnectedness. Mm-hmm. And Alexis de Tocqueville was addressing this in Democracy in America. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another something else that we may need to talk yeah. about. And, and I think I think some of the hard critical work that, that our country has to do has will, will be around thinking carefully about capitalism and its consequences. Well, a good way to end it, Marcus and I thank you all for joining us for this conversation about civic engagement. The Waters and Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. And follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And Marcus and I look forward to talking to you again next time. Take care.